Welcome to Model Rail Radio. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this is being recorded live on Skype, December 14th, 2019. Happy Christmas, everyone. Model Rail Radio is the internet's only live recorded radio show where the topic is the hobby of model railroading. We have on a gentleman who I wanted to catch up with, so I'm very glad that he's called in. Terry Terrence, how was your layouts in its current location, final run? How did that whole thing go? Uh, it was it was very well attended. Of course, all the gremlins came out in force. <laughs> and I think by the end of the day, I just had one train running and poorly at that. Alas, alas. <laughs> I think I, I burned out several decoders and I can't Gosh. figure out why. But um, um, start out with two trains and then uh, eventually shuffled around locomotives and uh, – well, by the end of the day, I was down to one train, but people were pretty much, you know, um, filtering out at that point. So I'd call it a uh, success. Wonderful. So now the interesting thing starts. You've you've got a crew. You mentioned this in our last recording. Talk a little bit about the plan packing up, I guess, of the layout. Well, we're we're not quite there yet. Okay. Um, I am going to. I just decided uh, last week or so, I will do a video of the layout in its current form and location um, as part of a memorializing what it was, because uh, um, the Saturday, the sixteenth of November, when we had the open house, I also did a um, clinic for a joint meeting of two divisions of the NMRA. And in preparing for that clinic, I went through all the photographs I had taken over the years. And it was quite a walk down memory. So as an extension of that, I'm going to document how the layout appeared uh, in its final form here at this location. And then I'm also going to try and uh, get my electrical engineering certificate done before the layout gets dismantled. So both of those things have to be accomplished before. Well, they don't have to be accomplished, but I hope I'm hoping to accomplish both of those things before we start dismantling the layout. Mm. So when we last spoke, you didn't have a new location. I don't even think you had a new state that you were looking at. Has any of that moved forward are you looking at a particular state to move to or are you still in the process of getting things ready to move well we're still in the process of getting things ready to move so um you know we're fixing up the house Mm -hmm. uh packing is going extremely slowly but uh (laughs) we are you know we're we're committed so one way or the other so in terms of folks that swung by were there any folks that hadn't seen the layout before were there any Interesting and unusual guests. Who traveled the furthest in order to come to see the loud? We had some guys come down from Indianapolis. <laughs> Gosh. Some of the people I knew from uh, Indy uh, mm-hmm. came to see the layout. Uh, so they were probably the furthest. A lot of people who had not seen the layout came down because it was a joint uh, meeting of two divisions of the NMRA, the Potomac Division mm-hmm. and the James River Division. So there were a lot of people who had not seen the layout. I'm in James River, but I must be the guy furthest north in the division. So every time they have a division meet, it's like anywhere literally from 50 (laughs) to 100 miles away from here. 
Gosh. So I've never had my layout open for them before, but this time as a compromise between the two divisions, they had it in a, a nearby town. So you know, it was very easy to have the layout open house. A lot of people came by. A lot of people had not seen it. I caught an air of a lot of enthusiasm mm. for both the layout and the, uh, and the scale. Mm. I think uh, there's still a lot of people who have not been exposed to two rail O scale and they're surprised that, uh, you can get uh decent operation and some interesting, uh, track plan because I have no scenery. It's just a track plan right now, uh, into a, what is a, a normal basement. Uh, everyone's still under the myth that, um, you need an aircraft hangar side space <laughs> to, to do two rail O scale. And my clinic was about modeling the Baltimore and Ohio's West end, how, you know, all of the, I did charts where showing that except for one class of locomotive, mm. all of the locomotives are available. Uh, and you can duplicate 81% of the rolling stock, mm. uh, in use in that error in uh in all scale so i think uh it opened a lot of people's eyes interesting now perfectly by chance it wasn't placed i promise i have the model railroad of january 2020 which has tony costa's o scale layout his shelf layout effectively i mean it's mm -hmm. a, a large mm -hmm. shelf but it's certainly of that dimension in front of me and i think it's a very interesting time for two rail o scale particularly now because the you know, the ma major magazine of note has got a two-rail low-scale layout that is not in any way overwhelming associated with folks that, you know, want to dip their toe in two-rail low, so to speak. And I actually saw it uh, at the National, uh, the two, sorry, the O-scale National, and I've certainly had a, a keen sense that this article was going to be coming out in, you know, the near future. So when it finally arrived in my mailbox, a uh, uh, maybe last week or something like that, I thought to myself, ah, finally, you know, this is getting out to the, because I think what's interesting in this country is I also, funnily enough, a couple of weeks earlier, found myself at a Barnes & Noble and found the two-rail O-scale publication available in Barnes & Noble still. So, you know, there are small, there's a smaller publication, at least one here in the US that promotes two-rail O-scale. But to have Model Railroad or the magazine itself start promoting this thing. I mean, this was, you you know Tony personally, right? This was an important yes. milestone. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the article and certainly Tony's embracement of, of two-rail low-scale and uh, evangelism now associated with Well, um, I, can't, I can't speak to the article because I haven't seen it yet, mm. but I'll give you an interesting anecdote. <laughs> uh, the first time I met Tony Custer, I went to a now defunct O-scale club in North Haleden, New Jersey. Mm. I had some time to kill. I was in New Jersey mm. and I went to this club's open house and it turns out it was their last open house. Mm. They had lost their <laughs> uh, base. They were in the basement under a row of stores. Mm. I had visited there many times. I took my children there at Christmas time to see the trains running around. And it was a very old school club. 
anyway, I'm, I'm there watching the trains and all of a sudden I hear this deep voice from behind me and I recognize that due to the podcast and mm. there I turn around and there's Tony Custer. I, I introduce myself and he's, he had just published that article in an April model railroader mm. where as an April fool's joke, he said he was, uh, going O scale three rail mm. and he, he mentioned that article and, um, he, he said he got a lot of negative feedback yeah. on that one. <laughs> he was sort of apologizing for it. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, I was sort of one of those guys who was not amused <laughs> by your spoofing, you know, a change yes. of scales to O scale. So that was that was my first meeting with Tony Custer. Um, but yes, uh, I interacted with Tony quite a bit uh, in putting together the uh, 2018 O scale national. And of course, he's he and Dave uh, Vaughn are, you know, best buds Certainly. and nickel plate modelers. Hmm. So, uh, all of those introductions went, went very smoothly. So he did the, the Wingate layout, which is what we're discussing here mm -hmm. is a two rail modular. Well, maybe not modular, but sectional for sure. Hmm. Proto 48 layout. And Tony has maintained that, um, if he had to do all over again, he would go Proto 48. Hmm. But back in the day, there was no Proto 48. There was just by curious thing, there was a uh, 1764 inch O scale, <laughs> which yes. is truly bizarre rather than quarter inch O scale, but it, it comes out with, it comes with the right track gauge. Hmm. And, um, prior to his doing the Wingate, um, uh, layout for MR, he had bought a Proto 48 nickel plate Berkshire. Not surprising, it's nickel plate, mm. uh, since he is a nickel plate modeler. Mm -hmm. And he was very taken by the size and the detail and everything else that, that goes with O scale. So in a different time, a different universe or whatever, Tony Custer would be an O scaler and uh, maybe O scale would be in much better shape than it is. Mm. In terms of it as a shelf layout scale, though, this is something that we've discussed you know, in even the last recording that you were on. And I think the thing that interests me when I look at the spaces in front of me, and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Mind Mount Models room layout design contest maybe later in this recording, but the thing that interests me is that O-Scale is very approachable for even, I mean, I've got, you've been in this room, you've been, you've actually sat and recorded podcast in the room that I'm currently podcasting in. So you know the dimensions of the room. Mm -hmm. It has a couple of long walls that lend itself perfectly to a nice little two rail low scale switching layout. In fact, I have everything but the turnouts kind of tucked away in the attic ready to make this thing real. So my perspective is that O scale, particularly for those that like heft, like size, but also, as I remember from the National, I think, I can't recall who it was specifically, but the, the prototype nature of the clatter and the movement of the locomotives and rolling stock, I think is something that people are, are very receptive to. I've never heard you talk as if O-Scale might be on the way out. So, I mean, in terms of your thinking, what, what is your perspective with regards to getting new folk into two-rail O-Scale? And do you see, you know, 
a reasonable size shelf layout is a good introduction to folk. I mean, what's what's your thinking associated with this thing? Well, let's let's take the latter first. Mm. A shelf layout is an excellent way to get started. As I think I've said before, I fell under the spell of, you know, the basement empire. Mm. And that's been my objective for decades. <laughs> so that's that's what I went for. Yes. But if you're if you have more sense than than I did, <laughs> uh you could start with a shelf layout. I mean, I believe Lance Minheim is a uh, O scaler and known for his shelf layouts. So you can start a shelf layout either in standard gauge or narrow gauge and be very successful in a uh normal bedroom size space. Mm. Uh, I'm even thinking about, uh, you know, one of these garden sheds would be another place mm-hmm. you could build certainly. a scale layout. So, you know, you can certainly do that. And the fact that uh, O-scale takes up more space, as John Armstrong points out, means you have fewer locomotives and mm. structures and mm. cars to fill any given space. And uh, so, therefore, it's a much less daunting undertaking to build any given layout in O. Uh, I'm sure I should say any given square footage in O than mm. it would be, say, an HO or certainly N, where you'd have to put a lot of a lot of uh, stuff into that space. Now, concerning two rail O scale, we are. When I say we, I mean Dave Vaughn, myself, and some other people are trying to come up with a plan of attack to get more people into two-rail O-scale. Certainly, the current crop of people working in two-rail O-scale are very, very accomplished modelers, as you saw when you came here for the National. (laughs) Uh, You have people like John Sethian, who... A year ago, had the cover of MR with his mm. two-rail O-scale layout. You have, uh, you know, the late Wes Morgenstern. You have a lot of people who do really superb work, mm. but they're getting older. Mm. <laughs> and uh, not a whole lot of people are coming in behind them. I mean, that's true throughout the hobby, mm. but it's probably more true in two-rail O-scale. And it, there's a myriad of reasons. Uh, we don't have the gateway drug anymore of <laughs> train sets at Christmas time. Mm. You know, every Christmas, my thoughts go back to my childhood where, you know, Lionel trains were the toy to have. Mm. Okay. And it, it was, in fact, a gateway drug. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's been a lifelong addiction for yes. me. Also, it's it's even hard to convince to convert dedicated model railroaders because they have so much invested in some other scale. Mm. But you know, your your eyes are going to go, your hands are going to get shaky. O scale may be a way to continue to model mm. after all of that degeneration sets in. And but you know we don't have we don't you can't find two rail O scale at um, your local hobby shop if you have a local hobby shop. Uh, my videos on YouTube get uh, comments like, "Is this Lionel? I've mm. never seen it without the center rail." <laughs> so there's there's a whole lot Certainly. of disinformation yes. out there. 
that that has to be con- countered. Yes. And um, we're trying to come up with a plan to do that. Now, you know, the the first baby step was revive the national convention, which yes. you attended. And I think I think it was a good convention. It was an amazing convention. And actually, having gone to the narrow gauge convention, I wish the narrow gauge convention had learned from the stuff that you guys had done particularly associated with outreach and the way in which the layouts were done. I mean, my view is that the Narragage Convention had a lot to learn from the two-rail low-scale convention. Uh, my personal view, but I think certainly others that might have attended both might have a similar viewpoint. So I think you set the bar high for non-NMRA you know, nationals to uh, have a, a more open format. It was vastly more friendly as well than the Narragage Convention. Uh, which I found really very curious, uh, in part because of the lack of actual faces holding, you know, the the check-in booth was <laughs> sparsely personed at best, and when you finally saw someone, they were temporarily angry and dismissive. And I thought this is a very curious way to, uh, to run a, a national, you know, a, a kind of a, not the national, but a minor national convention. And I think there were a number of things that you did absolutely spot on right, and I wish that this uh, was was learnt by other parts of the uh, model rail hobby. So congratulations once again, Terry, and I wish this information will get out to more sides of the uh, you know the broader model rail community. Well, let me let me give you a coming attractions. The 2020 O Scale National will be held concurrent with the NMRA National in St. Louis. Mm. And we're working with the people who are putting on that convention, giving them guidance and our <laughs> templates and everything else that Wonderful. we generated for the 2018 convention. So mm. if you're going to St. Louis to see the NMRA convention, you will be able to attend the clinics and a lot of the other activities on the O-scale side as well. Mm. So I would encourage people to do that. Uh, you'll get, you'll see some good modeling, as you say, friendly people, and you'll get some cross fertilization and learn that two rail O scale is a viable alternative. Hmm. In spite of the small community and the limited offerings, it's, hmm. it's still a viable alternative. And the offerings are not so limited. Two of the clinics at this, uh, joint meet on the 16th of November just passed were my clinic about modeling the B&O and John Sethian's clinic about modeling PRR. We both stress that you can get everything you need in O scale. Mm. Now, you can't just order it right off the shelf. Mm. You can't get it off the shelf at your local hobby shop. But if you're willing to haunt eBay and a lot of swap meets, mm. in short order, you can come up with everything you need. The quality of the second-hand market in two-rail O-scale is just absolutely phenomenal. I've put money in periodically on eBay in terms of buying pre-weathered DCC sound-installed locomotives, and the quality of the correspondence and also just the community that is created. It's a small community, but the folks that are selling stuff through eBay are not selling junk. They're selling loved items in many cases, that has had a lot of additional things added to it. And I was quite impressed with the experiences I've had. I've probably bought half a dozen, uh, you know, a couple of locomotives and rolling stock through eBay. And you get top-class stuff. This isn't a part of 2 low scale 
in terms of its small, passionate community, is that you're not getting knockoff junk through eBay. You're actually getting really interesting things that have been clearly used and modified and, and looked after by the, the people that are selling it. So I will certainly add to that, Terry. A lot of the, um, as I pointed out in my clinic, you can get pretty much everything made from the 1930s forward, mm. and you can get a lot of original kits entirely unstarted. Mm. But when people did finish those kits, they finished them with a high degree of skill. Certainly. I've seen the older Athern and mainline model kits, which are box of stick kits that are finished to the point where, you know, I look at it and say, you couldn't do that well in modern plastic, mm. uh, injection molded <laughs> plastic, you know? So yes, you're absolutely right. Because the models are, were never mass produced in the sense of, the thousands necessary to be produced to make back the cost of the of the dies, for instance, for like Athern Blue Box. Who knows how many hundreds of thousands <laughs> of Atlas Blue Box models were? Uh, I'm sorry, Athern Blue yes. Box models were were made. O scale was never done in that in that quantity. So mm. when people got a model. They put it together with loving care, and they took care of it thereafter. Yes, you will find some dusty models. But I remember at Springfield a few years back, Lionel Strang asked about where he could find some uh, some O-scale models, and I pointed him to a vendor um, at one of, end of one of the rows who had a bunch of the Athern kits. Athern at one time made O-scale kits, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um had a, a bunch of the Athern kits which had been assembled and assembled very well. He went over and bought a box car and he, he held it up and he said, I only paid $35 for this. And he mm. was happy as a clam. Mm. So, uh, yes, you know, even as a, even as a desk modeler, as a shelf queen, uh, some of these are, are still excellent models for that purpose. Let's talk about your other interest in the hobby, 3d printing. Mm-hmm. In terms of your move, obviously the 3D printers are going to be moving with you. But in terms of stuff that you've done recently, are you exploring any new techniques? Is there anything new in your 3D printing side of things that you want to No, no, this has been a very, very um, busy summer mm-hmm. and fall. And a lot of it was because, and I think I, I mentioned this the basement hadn't been cleared out since the convention. <laughs> so uh, I spent about uh, all of October and November getting the basement cleared out and stuff put away and and some stuff packed. So there was no point in moving it from one spot in the basement to the other spot in the basement when mm. the whole basement's <laughs> going to have to be cleared out. Yeah. So I haven't done anything recently on in 3D printing. I've given a few clinics I've finished, I've started, and I have finished only one. In one of the Baltimore, Ohio plan books, there are a number of small structures, coal bins, fire hose uh, houses, and other things which can be printed on even the smallest mm. 3D printer. And I've finished some of those, started a whole lot. I've finished the uh, fire hose house. And that came out very, very nicely. The only thing I had to buy for that one were some hinges because I could not get the hinges to print 
uh, clearly on a low-end 3D printer. Mm. But those are the sorts of things in O-Scale East, which I think are the sweet spot. Mm. Also, 3D printing, I have here, and I'm looking at the box, I did some of my um, B&O concrete telephone boots in HO. And I owe one to a gentleman who helped us with the convention who's an HO and a B&O modeler. Hmm. And then I mean to put the others out on the B&O group and say, here they are. Because in the last issue of the Sentinel, or the one before last issue of the Sentinel, the B&O Sentinel, which is the, I'm sorry, the B&O modeler, not the Sentinel. <laughs> um it it really is bad getting old. You believe have senior me. moments all the time. I, I do in my forties. Believe me. <laughs> so the B and L Modeler magazine, uh, a recent issue, had a whole article on the B and L concrete foam boots, including mm. those that have been produced in model form, and the only one in O scale, obviously, were the ones I did for a little while mm. uh, and had them cast. They were 3D prints, and I had them cast. I still have the molds, and uh, but the sales on eBay and such like were a little bit, uh, a little bit sluggish. So I stopped uh, having them cast, and um, I'm going to give it a try with these HO ones and see if they turn out. Uh, there's any more interest for those, but mm. uh, I have to get moving on that soon too. <laughs> So that that's what's happening on the 3D printing front. Terry, it's a real pleasure to catch up with you. In terms of folks who appear frequently on Model Rail Radio, I always get to, a, a wonderful chance to chat with you. And I think the what occurs in your move, I'm really looking forward to kind of tracking through the podcast because I think you represent, I mean, you, you represent me at some time in the future associated with having to move out of where I am. And I think the nature of the way the hobby changes as people move into different spaces, and certainly there's a large module community that's you know supposed to avoid these kind of problems. But I think the stuff that you're doing currently, I'm fascinated to see what the next step will be when you find the new house, when you move in, whether it is just going to be a room, whether you do have a basement again. There are so many possibilities here, Terry, and it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Okay, thank you, Tom. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, Terry. Thank you. Another gentleman I always have a pleasure chatting with, Dave Barraza. When you were last on, you described this kind of uh, the term Russian roulette comes to mind, but it's not Russian roulette. It's speeding <laughs> locomotives. It's passenger trains out of control. And <laughs> operating within these parameters on your home layout, I mean, my view is obviously the winter is very real. You're not going to be moving into G-scale. The garden is out of bounds. But in terms of your home layout, in terms of the indoor layout, in terms of dicing with death, these speeding Amtrak locomotives, what has been going on since we last spoke? Uh, there's not, not, you make it sound like it's going to end like the greatest show on earth <laughs> with a giant train crash. Um, I've been holding regular operating sessions. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm committed to do an event and, uh, I need to gauge how many operators I can support. Mm -hmm. And what I found is after, after we discussed the speed considerations of having high speed switches is, 
um, these local freight jobs are taking much, much longer out on the road than I had than I thought they would mm. on the order of an hour and a half to two hours. Some wow. of them. And in a three hour session, Gosh. that can pretty much be it. And Ooh. that's with a minimum of interfering uh, passenger trains, rocketing or non-rocketing. <laughs> otherwise, I, uh, I had been working on the high speed turnouts. And then I realized that in order to host an operating session where that where there was meaningful jobs to be undertaken, uh, meaningful jobs of railroading to be modeled, uh, I had to get more track down and finish the second deck. So the switches have taken backseat to uh, just getting the layout done, wired up, and under the hood kind of things, and putting in a little pocket of CTC for a piece of single track that, that needs super more supervision than just manual block. Mm. So interesting, interesting. In terms of the regular operating systems, we just had Terry Terrence on. He described basically locomotives failing, getting down to a single locomotive by the end. What are you learning through this experience associated with having regular operating sessions? What kinds of stuff are you picking up through this process? Documentation is key, but every human interprets documentation and labeling in a different way, mm. apparently. So I Funny have stuff language. Two, <laughs> yeah, uh, I have two gentlemen that both enjoy running the yard and they both need information to run it better. But they, uh, when I, when gentleman a makes a suggestion that I make paperwork and gentleman B operates the yard the next time. And he's like, Oh, that's no good to me. You, you need to do it another way. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it goes back and forth, back and forth. Pretty soon there's going to be a ream of paper sitting in the, in the yard. You just need two uh, different manuals, one for gentleman A and one for gentleman B. I think that's simple. I suppose so. And the, the main thing is that, uh, both of them just need to get more operating sessions under their belt, and I think the need for documentation will lessen. And then they will, of course, be nominated to be helpers on the open operating session when the boomers come in from out of town. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, is there um, the word of the month, quid pro quo? Are you moving between different layouts, or is this a session where you're, you're basically just bringing people in, or are you actually operating on other folks that are operating in all layouts, layouts in this process. Yes, yeah, so I've been in a uh, a round robin hmm. for Jeepers probably four years now. Um, okay. uh, the spring after we moved out to the to the our house on Long Island, uh, I went to an open operations event, um, an OPSIG uh, event, and uh, I favorably impressed myself upon some local layout owners, and I was asked to join a a weekly round round robin group. Hmm. Um, so I've been uh, I've been enjoying that, and so these are the guys. Uh, we we used to have it so that when it was a week with five Thursdays, I would take the fifth Thursday. Hmm. And with the operations event on the horizon, I've been shoehorning myself in on the occasional Tuesday. But there, it is uh, rather than use the phrase of the month, it is a reciprocal operating agreement <laughs> <laughs> where you, uh, you know the guys that come over and, and there's. There's four regular layouts, and then there's some other guys that have layouts that operate every once in a while. Hmm. Uh, but it's about you know eight, ten, uh, twelve guys that can come by, and uh, my layout is large enough that I have to get a couple, a uh, couple extra bodies in. But that's usually not a problem. Interesting, interesting. So in terms of the new year, what are the plans? Uh, finish the CTC. There's a little. Uh, there's a little why that I need to add. I would like to. Uh, make a lot of improvements under the hood in terms of getting just 120 AC power feeds into the basement into a better arrangement. I, mm. I had sort of a, 
a clues together setup where all of my boosters and power and DC accessories were all coming from one location central to the basement. And uh, I'm not happy with that. Hmm. Um, so, and I was looking up in the rafters and, and over the course of working on the upstairs portion of the house, there's three circuits from the breaker panel that are just taped up and abandoned up in the rafters of the basement. So the light bulb goes on. And so now mm. I can, I can distribute my, my power coming in from the circuit breakers <laughs> and then move my boosters to locations in the layout that don't require so much feeder wire and line loss and all that sort of thing. This was all brought to a head when, uh, I was, uh, I had built, almost 100 feet of new track, and it was all on a second deck, and it all had LED strip lights glued to the bottom. And uh, I got a 20-amp DC power supply, and I wired up all the lights, and I turned turned everything on, and time passed, and then it started to smell a little electrical. <laughs> and uh, so I took a put my hand on the wire coming out, and yeah, it's hot. And I took a current measurement, and I realized that I was pushing 21 amps out of a 20-amp power supply. Mm. So, you know, time was limited. You dice with death in all fashions of your life, it seems, Dave. (laughs) I I do. And I did make it through one operation session, and I just had to tell the operators, hey, don't never mind the smell. If it blows up, I have a spare. Mm. But I realized, I quickly realized that, you know, little clues problems that get forgotten about and worked around uh, only come up, they rear their ugly heads later when it's not funny. Hmm. So uh, it's time to take a step back and do these sort of big layout infrastructure things that need done while I've got six months until uh, an out-of-towner operating session as opposed to six days. Sounds I don't want fair. to repeat the Craig Biskire booster blows <laughs> up when Tony Custer comes by to visit or whatever that story was. I forget the particulars. But yes. There are, there are many Craig Biscaya stories in this hobby. Some of them for podcasts, some of them not for podcasts. But <laughs> it is it is fascinating yeah. to me that, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on from the safety considerations here. So let let me be let me be the um, what's the term that we use on this particular podcast? The uh, what is it? The bad something friend? The bad bad in. Bad influence friend, that's right. Gosh, I'm glad one of us is thinking here, Dave Perez. So, (laughs) in terms of the garden layout, is this the year? Is 2020 the year? No, I will not fight a two-front war. I will have to (laughs) conquer the basement first, and then I will move all of my military assets out to the garden. So, you think you you will not have the basement finished to a standard? What are you thinking? 2022? What are you thinking in terms of that time frame? Well, two decks are... Two decks are complete. Trackage mm-hmm. on two decks is, is complete. And, you know, by the time the Island Ops session happens in May, uh, I'll be raring to go to get started on deck three. Mm-hmm. So uh, unless things go exquisitely well, it's probably going to be more than 12 months to get the the uh, the third deck in, done, track laid, tested, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unless I find myself uh, independently wealthy and unemployed. <laughs> Um, so two that, combinations so I, that are rarely ever seen. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not at the same time. Yeah. I give myself at least two years before we start out in the in the mm-hmm. backyard. You know, there's other things too. When the when the layout's done, then it, there's going to be layout's done in the basement. That pass number two is going to be things like you know scenery, uh, getting more appropriate equipment, you know, weathering cars. So it's it's just getting it operational for operating for an operating session doesn't necessarily mean it's it's done and of course that no model railroad is truly ever finished mm-hmm. finished 
Mm. Uh, but I'd like it to be on conquered. I think it's a good word. Conquered. Uh, yes. Regular operating sessions, conquered. You know, operating fairly well from an electrical and mechanical standpoint. And uh, then we'll start to think about uh, the garden. That gives Joanna some chance to uh, make her make her marks out there as well in, mm. in, in advance of me. Ah, so she's she's like the forward scouting troops of your second front war. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's behind enemy lines right now. She just doesn't know it. Very good. Wow. Metaphors are plenty. So <laughs> le- le- let us talk more broadly. My recollection is that you were in my part of the world a couple of months ago, perhaps? Yeah, uh, visiting my mom. She's uh, starting to ail, so we're trying to spend as much time with her as possible while living 3,000 miles away. Always interesting. Well, if you are, if, if, if it does coincide with you being back next time, we definitely need to get together. I think I was Sorry. out of town, I think, perhaps that week, perhaps down mm-hmm. in Southern California. Although, truth be told, I'm going to be in Southern California quite a bit next year. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to coincide some of that together uh, because it's always fun to catch up with you. You've, you've given a good outline with regards to what the next year will bring. Are you headed to Springfield? Every year. Okay. Any particular items you're looking to purchase? Anything? Ooh, well, I'm always on the hunt for position light signals. Mm. NJ, NJ International seems to no longer be uh, a going concern, or at least their production's cut down to a, a trickle. Mm. And, you know, I'm looking – if it, if it happens to be painted for Long Island Railroad, I will consider buying it. Um, and I usually patronize uh, Island Model Works, mm-hmm. who uh, – I mean, apparently it takes both of us driving from Long Island to Massachusetts in order for me to buy stuff from him, even though we're both on Long Island. But mm-hmm. say la vie. Because, you know, he, uh, he makes uh, – Long Island Electric multiple units, which again would be more appropriate for my layout than the placeholders that I have now. Um, so stuff like that. But uh, you know, I, I have enough cars. You know, sometimes I look for stuff like rule books and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, maybe touch toggles or stuff like that. There's nothing truly in mind. I'm mean, you know, other than looking out for signals at all times. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's basically it. Very cool. Very cool. Dave Bracer, a pleasure as always catching up with you. Have a great Christmas, a wonderful new year, and look forward to uh, no doubt us chatting in the new year, maybe even on location. So I will definitely contact you when I, when next we're out on the West Coast. It'll be after the holidays sometime. Terrific. I'll talk to you soon, Debreza. Take care. All right. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. I'd like to welcome back on a gentleman who I haven't had a chance to chat with for quite some time. John Garrity, what is going on with model railroading in your part of the world currently? Uh, slow progress. Mm. And an unexpected Christmas present. Ooh. Two unexpected Christmas. Ooh. Well, one, one expected <laughs> Christmas present, one unexpected one. Okay. Well, are uh, you allowed to reveal what they are or are they still top secret? Well, one's not really model railways. Am okay. I allowed to reveal that? I guess so. Okay. Dear daughter presented us with a granddaughter oh, last congratulations. Saturday. Congratulations. So, yes, that's grandkid number one. Wonderful. Well, I'm surprised you're on model rail radio today, but it's good to have you on. <laughs> They're in Sydney. I'm in Wollongong. I understand. I understand. Even more so. And what is what is number two? 
number two, a friend of mine dropped past with an unexpected present, and it's a model of Borough. Ooh, how detailed. Uh, quite detailed. I can't put a photo up because it's on my mobile phone and not on my computer. Okay. Uh, and I'm not clever enough to transfer it across. So was this yet. a passing visit or was this a you now have a model of borough in your possession kind of visit? Uh, okay. Ancient history, there were originally two versions of borough built. Hmm. Um back in 2013 by a Melbourne modeler called Jay Kershaw, mm. who unfor- unfortunately has now passed away. Mm. So I had a borough, and John named his Cooker. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard the legend of Cookerborough? Yes. Well, for folks listening in who aren't familiar with the legend of borough, could you give a description to what this thing is? Okay, Burrow is a little O4O side tank. Mm. Uh, It's actually a saddle tank built by Hawthorne Leslie in 1924 for Coromel Colliery specifically. So it turned up out here in 1924, worked at Coromel until 1965. In 1964, AINS bought Coromel Colliery. Now, I don't know whether it's a leg pull, but... I was told originally there were two steam locos, one named Cooker and one named Burra, mm-hmm. because the nameplate was too big to fit on the side of the side tanks. Of course. And who's going so, to call the locomotive Cookerborough anyway, right? Yes. <laughs> so this is the story as it was told to me as a probably 11 or 12-year-old school kid, and I suspect I may have been having my leg pulled by a long way. Hmm. So there never was a cooker, but there was definitely a borough, <laughs> and that borough is still in preservation. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1945, borough got a new boiler. Mm. When it got a new boiler, it got a new smokestack. The original was a diamond stack, and when it came back in 1945, it had a stovepipe stack on it. Mm. So there's a significant dating feature you can use for whenever you see a photo of a borough. Hmm. If it's got a straight stack on it, it's got the later boiler. Or if it's got a diamond stack on it, it's as built. So this friend of mine decided he wanted an earlier borough. So I gave him all the stuff I had on borough. And in the last 12 months online, this turned up in one of the UK museums, a works factory photo of borough before it left the UK, complete hmm. with lining. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a quite a detailed photo. Um, knowing some key dimensions, you can make a reasonable model out of it. And the mech that goes closest to it, given that this is O-Narrow, using HO or AA mechs uh, to power the wheels, the mechanism that goes closest is a Barkman Percy. So I kind of handed him all, all over all the information and kind of said, well, here you are, have at it. And he did. And about probably eight weeks later, I get a phone call. Uh, Burroughs bread. What do you mean? He sent me a photo <laughs> of two burrows side by side uh-huh. with diamond stacks. Uh-huh. So, so he's got one and I was presented with another earlier borough yesterday. Wonderful. So it is very recent arrival. It's that recent arrival. It doesn't have couplings on it that mm-hmm. we can tow anything with. Uh, and we've yet to see how it runs because the layout's all in storage. Mm. In my 
carport. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of kind of getting enough roof out over the driveway to stack enough lumps together to be able to apply volts to rails. Um, this friend of mine has uh, got his own layout, so it, it has had some test running before it left uh, the place it was built. So it's a, a beautiful little model. It's got the full name plates, the full maker's plates on it. Uh, it looks a treat. Mm. Uh, it's also been weighted up a little bit heavier than the original borough, so it, it ought to be a little bit more um, reliable as far as electrical contact goes, and it ought to be able to tow a bit more than the other one did or have more up its sleeve. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, this thing's got a top speed like a rocket. <laughs> Which doesn't go well with very light coal skips dragging along behind. But we'll no. cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> uh, when it comes to going out on the layout, it's going to need some finesse on the throttle. Yes. Anyone who goes from zero to full bore uh, stands an excellent chance of leaving a whole flock of coal skips piled up behind them. Mm. Uh, apart from that, I was trying to get a photo together of... Uh, we've managed to get fences all the way down the tipple deck. Mm. Now, that doesn't sound much, but the tipple deck's about 15 inches long in A scale and it's got to be built pole by pole with stringer by stringer. Yes. Uh, it's been a little bit of a bun fight. Mm. And after the third attempt, I have fences on both sides of the tipple deck. Um, this is management's con- Concession to Ock Health and Safety, making sure my miniature one forty third scale work workers don't fall off the tipple deck onto the track underneath. Fair enough. Uh, whoever thought Ock Health and Safety went as far back as the nineteen twenties? Mm. But there you go. <laughs> For the last five years, that tipple deck hasn't had a fence anywhere near it. <laughs> yes. So therein lies the saga of the great modelling push at present. Um, the Bottom end module is now fully detailed to the extent that it's going to get fully detailed. There was more uh, weeds and stuff got planted around where weeds would be likely to be trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's looking hard used industrial to the stage where trees or weeds are permitted to the extent that they don't intrude on the track. A question I have for you, John. Obviously, long-standing model rail radio participant, the professor has had some connection to Coromel, but he has been missing in action of late under work and other related constraints, and obviously a new house that I have had the pleasure of actually seeing myself. Have you heard from the professor recently? I was had a text message from him today apologising for not being able to be present. Mm-hmm. He's at work at present, mm. so um, unfortunately the timing hasn't fitted. Not at all. Uh, he sends his... Best wishes to all. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And he'll catch up with you all next year. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm not sure if I'm spending, I think I've got maybe four hours in Sydney (laughs) this trip. (laughs) And it's going to be very difficult to spend any time with with anyone through that period of time. But Professor, you know, when we do Australia properly, we'll certainly be back and we'll certainly catch up with you. So, um, yeah, certainly a, a Merry Christmas to the professor and Annie, and uh, I'm sure, yeah, they're incredibly busy currently. Well, that's an interesting update. In terms of in terms of the other stuff, when is Coromel next going to be shown? Are you being 
is it going to the narrow gauge convention which i don't think would be this year right it'll be or 20 is 2021 the next narrow gauge convention 2021 will be the next narrow gauge convention i can't see coromel being there Mm. uh it's been to the last six in various iterations Mm -hmm. from test rigs through to uh almost fully finished Mm -hmm. so we'll give someone else a go fair enough fair enough not sure at this stage when it's likely to be out there's a few things that have got to happen yet before it can go out my partner in crime was supposed to be working kind of part-time or basically semi-retired he's mm-hmm. now work, working more than he's retired each week i've heard this is a thing that happens to retired people that they just <laughs> end well, up working up more a, <laughs> he picked up a part-time job it's oh, now nice. no longer part-time okay <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of slowing progress. And he's 80k one way from me and about two and a half hours by road. Mm. So getting us together involves an expedition by someone or other. Yes. So that's kind of slowing some progress down, but there's other stuff I'm, I'm quite happy doing by myself, working on one chunk at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's slowly happening. We've probably got probably half the layout is... Well, out of 12 modules, seven are fully finished, mm. but don't don't need anything doing to them. The rest are in detailing mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got probably one building that's got to be built from scratch, and that's in my court. That'll be happening after Christmas. Mm. It's a section view of a powerhouse. I think mm. we've mentioned it in the past. So it hasn't been all that easy getting my head around how all the bits are going to fit together so that I can dismantle this thing to get at what lies under it if I have to. Mm. Um, because it's likely that it will have uh, flicker fire lights in the boiler and all that type of stuff. Certainly. So it'll be a detailed building that'll be cut away. Workshop's almost done. It was a foam core with paper stuck on the side shell. It's now a 3D cutaway building. So... Uh, the only bit that needs building in there is a bit of broken mine machinery and some fitters kind of scratching their heads looking at it saying, how the blazes am I going to fix this? Hmm. Not sure whether we've covered that in the past. But I found photos from my UK trip of a suitable coal cutter that I can use to model and I've got a blueprint of a set of plans of a similar type unit that at least give me rough sizes. So I figure I can do a reasonable job uh, coming up with something that looks the part. And given most people be standing three feet away, <laughs> I think close enough is going to be good enough. Very good. Very good. That's about all I've got. So I'll, I'll hand over um, to whoever else you've got. I think Mike Slater and a crew are waiting in the wings. But, John Garrity, okay. it's always a pleasure catching up. Congratulations well, on the granddaughter. That's a, a well, big milestone. And uh, also pass some regards back to the professor when you next talk to him. Uh, but a pleasure catching up today and have a happy Christmas. Okay. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's to all listening out. Talk to you soon. Take care, John. Bye now. I'd like to welcome on Mike Slater, who's brought back on Will O'Malley. And Will O'Malley has brought on his brother, Eric. So my understanding is that this is going to be a mini traction-related discussion, as I'm sure these folk will... I'm assuming Eric is also in traction, Mike Slater. Is that safe to say? 
Yes, he is. Wonderful. Will O'Malley, Eric, Eric, as this is your first time calling into Model Rail Radio, would you like to introduce your Model Rail Rating interests? Uh, sure. Um, I have uh, a lot of interest, HO scale traction, uh, particularly I'm getting uh, working on a few modules of uh, the North Shore line right now. Hmm. Um, and then um, I've, always, I've been a big uh, Chicago Northwestern fan since I was a little kid. So is this because it was your local railroad? Is there any particular reason why you like Chicago Northwestern? Yeah, I grew up in uh, northwest suburbs of Chicago and uh, mm. on the Chicago Northwestern North Line. I just remember as a kid seeing the Northwestern trains roll by, especially in the mid-90s when the transition era happened. And you started seeing a mix of a lot of uh, Northwestern and Union Pacific. So that was uh, that's pretty much where my interest stems from there. And we also uh, lived 20 minutes away from the Illinois Railway Museum. So that was pretty much my uh, playground when I was a child. <laughs> mm. What a playground to have. So we've talked oh, yeah. to your brother Will periodically. In terms of your attraction interests, are, are they similar to your brother Will? Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, uh, Will uh, kind of runs the whole a lot of the gamut. He does a lot of streetcar stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm also into streetcars, interurban. Um, like I said, I'm a Chicago guy, so anything that ran in and out of Chicago, I have a lot of interest in. But uh, pretty much any traction really is all is all fascinating to me. And do you have a, I mean, you're part of the module attraction group. Do you build modules with them? Is this part of your hobby as well? So I'm new to the group. Um, I don't have any modules yet, but I am currently working on two modules. And uh, I'm doing a replication or something similar to uh, the Great Lakes Naval Station stop down east west on the Mm -hmm. North Shoreline. And um, it also kind of hits close home to me because I was also in the Navy for eight years. So that's kind of cool. Station right there. So, (laughs) interesting crossover. Will, it's been a while since we last chatted. What's been going on in the model railroading hobby with you? How's how's the restoration going? What's happening with your model railroading hobby? Well, I uh, I did finish the the bridge project that I was working on the last time we talked. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's. I mean, there's still a few little things that I want to add on to it. uh, But other than that, though, it's operational. It ran at Train Fest, I would say, mm-hmm. really without any issues at all. So that was always definitely a plus. Uh, but as for the rest of my modules that I've been working on uh, restoring, I've gotten back to working on other pieces of the Midland Electric. And I've been working on some uh, terminal, uh, I would call it the terminal section of the Midland Electric. And I'm... Uh, I've actually come up with a new idea for how to set up my car barn module that I have, as well as having uh, the uh, the terminal module with adding a loop module and then uh, be able to have an actual operational streetcar layout in my apartment, in the spare bedroom of my apartment then. Um, currently, my brother and I, we actually just finished uh, putting together bench work on a, uh, a, a small uh, four foot by 21 inch module uh, mm-hmm. that will connect up between the uh, uh, the terminal module and the rest of the layout. And then um, we're just kind of setting up, making sure all of our, um, you know, making sure that all of our, uh, uh, my, or I should say my measurements that I had for making sure everything fits well into this room will work well. So it's been a little bit of a challenge because with this being a, uh, like I'm working with sections of a layout that used to uh, be in a basement mm. when you, really confine yourself into a smaller room, a smaller space with using sections from a layout that spanned a whole basement. 
you're really it's kind of been like a jigsaw puzzle figuring everything out though Certainly. but i think i finally got it though wonderful so wonderful plus i'm here i'm here to make sure it doesn't get crazy <laughs> well, it always gets crazy whenever the o'malley brothers get involved together so. very good yes I, I have that kind of gestalt sense that yeah the two of you is probably way more trouble than just having will on so mike's later in terms of the end of year period in terms of the new year what kinds of things are you looking forward to in the model railroading hobby mike slater well i actually uh received my 3d printer wonderful um haven't done a print yet on it uh initially was going to try to do the i believe i mentioned the mr rogers neighborhood trolley mm-hmm. as my first uh print but i think i'm gonna uh step it back a little bit and <laughs> always uh, ambitious mike slater always ambitious do something a little bit simpler and yes. uh that's a, um, uh, a side-am used to make uh, a radial uh, coupler kit that uh, was used on, the, used on their brass models. And after I finally figured out that it was actually side-am that, that made this coupler that I had on a few of my North Shore models, I've uh, been able to purchase a couple of the, uh, the coupler kits, uh, at, either variously off of eBay or at the East Penn Trolley Meet. And now I've uh, taken and I've measured and reverse engineered uh, the one part of the coupler. And I'm probably going to end up using a long shanked KD coupler uh, for the knuckle portion. Mm. And then use uh, the part that's screwed onto the brass model as a 3D print that will accept the coupler shank off the KD coupler. Mm. And those will be my uh, first prints just to get the hang of it. I figured, why, why go with something uh, that's going to be a long print time to figure out the settings of this new printer, figure something simple, small, and work my way up to something larger. As far as the neighborhood trolley, I uh, got my chassis picked out for the HO scale version and uh, already have the Bachman Bernie streetcar all torn apart down to the chassis and Mm -hmm. uh, all measured up and uh, had to do some tweaks to the 3D CAD model. Uh, to get the HO version set up, and my three-rail O-scale version, I will be using a Mike's Trainhouse uh, Bernie trolley chassis uh, because uh, c- between the Lionel and the MTH, the MTH was uh, more compact, and I also like the fact the MTH was a die-cast chassis compared to Lionel's plastic chassis. Mm. So I'd give it just a little bit more weight um, for running-wise. But uh, this way I'll have a HL scale version for the Northwest Traction Group for us to run at shows. And uh, the three-row scale version will be uh, to be used with my Lionel Club that I belong to also. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm. Well, it sounds like things are, are, are well pointed for the new year. In terms of the summer months, these kind of things, are you already planning what shows you guys are going to be attending? I mean, it, uh, in terms of the traction-related stuff that you guys are going to be doing together, I know you've historically done one reasonable road trip per year in order to see various traction shows. Is that going to continue next year? Well, the East Penn was one that uh, we were kind of wanting to do, and our Northwest Traction Group historically had never taken a layout out there. Mm. Uh, in 2021, as when the next East Penn show will occur, uh, there's already been talk about uh, heading back out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been uh, pushing our group a little bit to attend the uh, St. Louis Railroad Prototype Modelers Meet in Collinsville, Illinois, with 
the layout. Mm. Uh, ever since I taken one of my modules down to the St. Louis RPM meet, the uh, one of the gentlemen that is one of the co-organizers of the show, uh, when he found out that I was a member of a, a trolley group that ran off the overhead wire, uh, he's been trying to get us to come down to St. Louis because uh, St. Louis, I guess, used to be a really big uh, traction modeling mecca. Totally. And with the guys aging out, unfortunately, uh, and moving on to the big roundhouse in the sky, those type of modelers mm-hmm. have uh, disappeared. And uh, also, it'd be a great way to uh, take some of uh, our more interesting modules over by Ken Patterson's house along the bluffs of the Mississippi River and do some nighttime photography over by his house with them. So in terms of collaborations with Ken Patterson in the new year, I mean, is that – he obviously, uh, you know, came out to train fest and did things. Uh, aside from what you've mentioned, are you planning on any other collaborations? Um, well, hopefully sometime. Uh, I don't know if he'll be coming to Trainfest uh, this coming year, but I know – him and his crew uh, would love to do Train Fest again, and mm. I know we would all love to have him up up here again. Um, but as far as uh, uh, I did, kind of mention to Will that you know his bridge modules would be really neat for nighttime photography with uh, the trolley model, yeah. models on it. And when I kind of mentioned that Ken was was standing, goes and Ken basically told us anytime we wanted to do that, just uh, let him know and come on over. Most definitely, uh, most definitely. Uh, for him, it would be t- photographing something totally different. And I know James Regeer, he's been teaching uh, James Regeer how to do a lot of nighttime photography. And mm. it's something that I would love to learn more uh, with my digital camera on how to do. Of course, I, I wish I had the the landscape that uh, Ken has <laughs> to do his photography. Uh, uh, unfortunately, my area is just a little bit too built up unless I take a, a little drive out to the countryside to to do some photography in it, but I'm not sure how many farmers would like a vehicle pulling up alongside the road and uh, plopping some modules up to do some photography. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you could find some pathetic farmers somehow. Well, Mike Slater, O'Malley Brothers, wonderful to have you all on. I think the the nature of traction modelling and the no-fear nature that you guys describe is something that I think is really fascinating. Um, and it's a pleasure to have uh, Eric on for the first time and obviously Will back. Thank you all for calling in. Have a a great Christmas and a a wonderful New Year, and look forward to hearing about your adventures in 2020. Thank you all for calling in. Yep, same same to you, Tom, and and also to those that that celebrate Festivus, you know, Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) Believe me, if ever there was a Festivus, what is it, the the pole of, uh, the steel pole and the... um, what is it where you basically insult people? That seems like a festival. Uh, the airing of grievances. The airing of grievances, yes. I can see you yeah. taking the airing of grievances out on many people, Mike Slater. So. <laughs> Thank you Don't all for calling in. Uh, thanks. I'd like to welcome on a gentleman who I haven't spoken to in a number of years, Todd Herman. What is going on in the model railroading hobby for you? Oh, thanks for having me on, Tom. Uh, what, what's been going on? Well, you know, when I called in a number of years back, I was I kind of gave everybody an update on the layout that I'm building, which is uh, a layout uh, based on the Lehigh and New England Railroad mm. and its Catasauqua branch. Um, I don't know if that rings any bells for anybody or any listeners, but uh, 
I've continued to work on that project. Uh, I've been enjoying uh, enjoying myself doing it. It's about a 16 by 24 HO scale railroad in my basement. Uh, features the a short branch of the Lehigh New England Railroad, kind of a branch that was driven a lot by uh, the business of interchange with other railroads, with the Reading Railroad and the Lehigh Valley Railroad, mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, the uh, New Jersey Central. So there's a lot of uh, interesting action all in one kind of compact compact place. Uh, this is uh, located just north of uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, in, in mm. the real world is where this location was. You've, you've given a good outline since we last spoke. What are your plans for the new year? What are you planning on doing with the layout? How are things going to change? Uh, and, you know, what are you projecting in the new year? Well, you know, in the, in the, the year I've, to come, I'm really getting more involved in the scenery on mm-hmm. the railroad. Uh, interesting thing about this line is that it kind of is a mix of rural and uh, town scenes. Certainly. And so I've kind of accidentally become more of a town modeler as I've, uh, I've, I've gotten into it. So just this evening while I was listening in on when everybody else uh, was working on uh, sidewalks and mm-hmm. road paving and things like that. So sorry to get into some that sort of stuff. A lot more structure building uh, is mm-hmm. on the docket for the year ahead. Are you going to dabble in figures at all or are you going to keep the streets open? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think I will dabble in figures to have figures to place as needed, uh, maybe in a few s- select spots, but sometimes having the streets really uh, – populated with creepy frozen people sometimes doesn't always work for me so interesting interesting <laughs> and in terms uh, of your local area are there other modelers are the folks that are part of your hobby or are you a lone wolf modeler uh I, i'm not a I, I, well to some extent i suppose i am i live uh, outside of washington dc uh and i'm you know part of the nmra chapter down here and you know connected with a few modelers down this way mm. most of my connections though are up in pennsylvania where i'm from originally interesting uh, so uh, I see those guys from time to time. A lot of good friends that I made while working in a hobby shop when I was a teenager. Uh, if anyone remembers what hobby shops were, mm. uh, but uh, you know, so down here I'm, I'm a bit more of a lone wolf. I've built the layout mostly by myself, although with some assists here and there from uh, from some of those guys up in Pennsylvania. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my my local situation. But trying to get more, you know, get out there a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's really self directed for me. I have to say, you know, I, I don't. I'm not out there posting a lot or sharing a lot, which is probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. Trying to document, take photos as I go. But, uh, you know, slowly the lone wolf is emerging, I guess you could say. <laughs> and in terms of in terms of the prototype specifically, what kind of material are you basing the, the townscapes on? What kind of, you know, things are you looking at to get certain elements correct? Uh, a lot of uh, historical photographs. Um, both, you know, I'm fortunate that this area, town of Katasakwa and the, it was a it was kind of a railroad hotspot in the day mm. uh, nothing left there now except for one single track line that uh, Norfolk Southern runs between Allentown and, uh, and essentially the Scranton Wilkes-Barre area of Pennsylvania uh, via the Reading and Northern Railroad but um, the, 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 there used to be you know it used to be a hive of railroad activity so there were a lot of rail fans uh, mm. in the 50s and 60s and fortunately those guys took a lot of pictures and I've been able to avail myself of that stuff movies uh, mm-hmm. there's a gentleman uh, named John Pachulis who has a company called John Pachulis Media. This is a, a completely un, uh, unpaid, there's no, no connection here, but it's a great endorsement for his, his stuff because he has taken a lot of these old eight millimeter movies that a lot of these 1940s, 50s and 60s rail fans took mm-hmm. and then used some, some system to remaster them. And they just look fantastic. And you can pull screenshots from those, uh, you know, to capture certain, uh, certain details. You find yourself looking in the margins of photographs a lot of times. You know, yes. But, you know, so. Yes. 
And in terms of time of year and these kind of things, is that important to the many trees on your layout and things? Yeah, I, I, I went with a fairly traditional choice, I guess. I, I, so, you know, June, mm-hmm. you know, summertime, 1956 is the current time frame. I may back that up a little bit, but that's kind of where I'm at uh, for a couple of reasons in terms of the schemes and paint schemes of the railroads that were involved, type of traffic, you know, that was uh, was on offer. There's a lot of cement and a lot of coal being moved through this uh, area at that time. Mm. So. And then also because there's a, that's kind of the peak time for uh, getting a lot of local industry customers. And there are a bunch of those in, in the town that I'm modeling. Mm. So uh, trying to maximize all those factors together in terms of the time period. As far as the summertime goes, mm-hmm. that's just why I like to rail fan. So I figure why not model that? So. Certainly. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Are you doing any weathering on the locomotives and rolling stock? Oh, yeah. Um, try to weather everything that goes on the railroad. I've fallen off the wagon to some extent on that, just in my desire to get certain things I have out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, try to do, you know, whether it's, whether it's just a basic pen pastel, you know, and Delco job just to yeah. get things going and other cases, a little more, you know, advanced techniques, I guess you could say oils, oil paints and washes and that sort of thing. But, mm. uh, yeah, it's difficult to, I mean, obviously social media is a religion. And it's difficult to say to people that don't post on social media and this kind of stuff to, <laughs> to take photographs and this kind of stuff. But your layout sounds absolutely fascinating. And it would be wonderful to have a, a few choice photos. Is there a website or anywhere people could go if they wanted to see photos? Or are you keeping all that under wraps so far? Uh, no, no, no. Um, well, I, I guess I am to some extent. I have a Flickr page uh, that uh, is out there, uh, that an album of, of shots on Flickr test myself here and see if I can I could share that with the group but I can if not I can put it up on the uh, onto the Facebook group so folks Wonderful. who uh, might hear this later can uh, can check that out uh, that's the format that kind of works for me in some ways mm-hmm. kind of almost like a newsletter because I just don't have the time to to keep up something like a blog I'd love to do that at some point but just just finding the time to work on the railroad is uh, is a challenge enough and you know if I have the free time I'd rather do that than sit in front of the computer, which I already do all day. So yes, I know that feeling. I know that yeah. feeling well. <laughs> well, so. thank you very much for calling back in. A pleasure to uh, to catch up with you. How many how many years has it been since you last called into Model Rail Right? Uh, you know, I, I I kind of called in on a lark t- this evening, and I should I was wondering about that as I called in, and I, kind hmm. of, I it may be three years. It okay. could be more. Okay. It's you know I I'm long time listener, and I guess you could say second time caller. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, been too long. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm glad that you're still keeping it going. Kudos to you. Uh, Look, as, I don't as, think I could stop this thing. I don't think – my wife is worried if I ever stop this thing because I think I'd be hunted down. Uh, my view is that <laughs> Model Rail Radio is so much part of my life now that um, – I mean, look, the nature of Model Rail Radio just as a phenomena of now a community of friends more than anything – um, is really something which makes me think that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop this even if I tried. I might be slow to edit them and get them out, which is just a sad fact of my workday yeah. life. But nonetheless, no, it is a central part of my life, and um, it gives me so much, you know, just the ability to talk to Terry Terrence and Mike Slater and all these kind of folk, you know, Dave Barraza, people that I've met many times, people that have gone out of their way um, to find me, and, you know, these these are ultimately, it's a group of friends more than anything. And uh, the nature of a podcast as a podcast as it is today, no, this is more than ten years of friendship, as far as I'm concerned. So, no, it's uh, it's uh, I can I can definitely see how that would be the case for you. I mean, it's a uh, just a, just as someone on the outside, just listening in, literally. I mean, it's, uh, it's been 
it's been great for me. It's kept me company on many evenings working on the railroad and, you know, all of that great stuff. So Terrific. actually, I made a, pig, a trip up to the uh, OCL National when it was up in Maryland. Uh, when when I, I think you were uh, in town for that, if, if memory serves. Right. Uh, and was keeping an eye out for you, but uh, I don't think our paths We should crossed, have. Yeah, but. no, look, I mean, you have to reach out to me in these circumstances. That convention for me was such a nice... I mean, look, I, I met listeners at the Narragage Convention. Don't get me wrong. Uh, this isn't a compare and contrast necessarily, but the number of old friends and listeners and, and folks that I discovered were listeners. And also my wife doesn't get to see model rail radio very frequently. I mean, she hears that she attends the barbecue get togethers and all this other stuff, but Dave Vaughan had Tony Costa on his layout was showing Tony Costa around. And then when I arrived, he stopped it and showed my wife around the layout <laughs> and to mute Tony Costa and to have my wife be picked up in these circumstances was just a wonderful opportunity to show, you know, uh, the the respect that, you know, this this hobby uh, conveys. But look, by all means, if our paths ever uh, are to cross in the future, please, you know, stop me. And thankfully, a couple of folk at the Narragage Convention did do that. And it was wonderful to meet them uh, on location. Neither of them have called in. I've told both of them they're on strict orders to call in. Uh, but yeah, no, it is a, look, this whole thing is, uh, like I say, just a, a group of friends. And, uh, I think the Narragage convention, I was pretty, I it was funny. I was at most of the things with it. I mean, certainly the meals and the number of the talks I went to. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't have been. I also hung out in the foyer quite a bit and chatted with a lot of people too. So hmm. anyway, I probably should have. I'm pretty sure I was wearing model radio gear. <laughs> anyway, I'll try harder. I will go with more neon next time. Um, oh, no. But yeah, look, please, if you're ever at a, a convention again and you know that I'm going to be there, coordinate with me. Always happy to share a meal with the listener and uh, and have a good chat. No, that would uh, that'd be fun. I'll uh, work on that going forward, most definitely. The uh, narrow gauge convention. I'm not. I'm not a no scaler. I'm also not an irrigator, But I, I just enjoy those <laughs> conventions in general. You know, it's just all sorts of fascinating stuff that you don't always see. So. Believe me. I mean, the quality of the talks and just the conversations after a number of the talks, uh, I think, is uh, mm-hmm. well worth attending just for those things. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap this show up, folks. Thank you very much for calling in. And uh, yeah, please don't allow three, four years to pass. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> One thing I have forgotten to mention, mysteriously, because I wasn't prompted by any listener, is the Mind Mount Models Room Layout Design Contest 2020, which I announced last recording. The rules are an 18 foot by 12 foot room with a door. You can pick where the door is. You can also pick out the aisles and whatever you want to do. You could do around the room. You could do within the center of the room. You could do a mix. You could do a bunch of different things. This contest is completely open, aside from the fact that there's a door. Mm, windows, you don't need to put in the windows. Please include the following structures. Randy's Auto Repair Kit, which is a 4.5 inch by 5 inch structure. And also Pulse's Plumbing Supply, which is an 8 inch by 11 inch structure. You can use either regular HO or HON uh, track if you want. Combination even. Email your track plan and optional supporting documentation to tom at modelrailradio.com. Dot com. That's Model Rail Radio, all one word. All submissions must be received by March 31st, 2020, midnight Pacific time. 
the prizes are the first prize creaky chair models stereo sound module uncle larry's own from mind mount models you get both randy's auto repair and also paul's plumbing supply now paul's plumbing supply is a decent footprint kit so these are both uh, reasonable kits for first prize and finally, and this was the one that I'm most excited about, for Ralph Ranzetti weathering of a diesel where you must apply the diesel locomotive to Ralph. My view is that that could be, you know, that could be a majority of the prize right there, knowing Ralph Ranzetti's work. So four amazing prizes, two from my map models, one from Creaky Chair models and one from Ralph Ranzetti directly. That's the first prize. We got a bunch of runner-up prizes as well, various mind map models kits, for folks who followed the last Mind Map Models layout design contest, we got out a lot of kits to a lot of different people. So please consider, I understand that this is a substantial space, 18 feet by 12 feet. And I understand it's going to take even experienced track planners a while to put this thing together. But I think the prizes alone are probably worth the entry. Plus you also get bragging rights. I mean, we'll talk about the various layout submissions on the show. Certainly... Ron Kleist and I will spend quite a bit of time. We might even get guest folks in to talk about the various layouts. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the entries. Now is the time to get in your entries if you're on the fence. If you've never entered one of these contests previously, please consider it. I know a number of folk have emailed me saying, all the previous layouts have been shelf layouts. Well, that's not necessarily true, but a good number of them have been. Well, now you have the space to play with 18 feet by 12 feet. That's a sizable room. It's actually loosely based on my podcasting room, actually. So that's the Mind Mount Models Model Rail Radio Layout Design Contest 2020. Thanks to everyone for calling in today. Wonderful to catch up with Terry Terrence in particular. I was hoping to hear from him before the end of the year and get a sense of his, uh, his move, but it seems like the move is still coming, but just not really defined. And always a pleasure chatting with, uh, you know, Mike Slater and co, uh, and just wonderful to catch up with folks. So thanks for everyone for calling in today. Thanks to folks for listening in. Good evening. Good evening, Tom. Oh, and happy Christmas and a great new year for you folk. I'm really looking forward to talking to you all in 2020. Thank you. Yep. Take care.